well, Jeff and Ann are not going to be here this next coming weekend. Right. They're going to be on vacation, rare vacation. Yeah. Don't get too many of those. <laughs> so uh, Raphael and I are going to be preaching. I think Patty's going to be doing a fresh bread. Yeah. So it should be, should be a great Sunday, hopefully. We're going to do our best. It will be. We're going to do our best. <laughs> so, um, and we have daily breads over there. We have um, devotion. You know, that's a devotional. We have yeah. newsletters. We have New Testaments. We have different resources. Just check it out if you want something. You can grab it. It's free. We have um, our offering box over there uh, for your tithes and offerings if you would like to give. We also use an app called Tithely. It's spelled T-I-T-H-E-L-Y. Just search for Northridge Community Church, Rockford, Illinois, and you'll be able to find us. And um, also, like I say pretty much every week now, please, if you have any uh, coats or, you know, blankets or toiletries or... Um, non-perishable food items, please bring them here, and, and we will um, join with the ministry once a month. What's the ministry called again? I always blank on it. Mission Hope. Mission Hope, thanks. And <clears throat> you can also help, you can also join us to doing that. Um, there is like a little bit of an, an initiation that you need to do. You need to uh, do like a pre-interview just because they've had some strange people show up to help. Um, so not a big deal, but if you'd like to be involved in that, please let us know. And that's about it as far as announcements. You have anything else? Um, well, we've moved the men's Bible study to this, the second Sunday, Saturday of the month. So starting in um, March, it'll be the second Saturday. Okay. So I, did, I wasn't able to make it yesterday. My wife's been really sick. But um, Patty started a, a men's Bible study, and it was – the first one was yesterday. Yeah. And so – but we, we found out that the first Sunday or first Saturday of every month does not work because other people have Bible studies first Saturday of every month. So it's going to be the second Saturday yeah. of like every seven month. Eight, seven to eight a.m. Seven to eight a.m. Brutal time. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you're on. <laughs> a.m. <laughs> All right, you're up. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna do the tithe. Talk about tithe. All right, go to your. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize. Okay. If I do it again, it might look. Yeah, weird. I get. I get it. Okay, we're going to take communion right now, and we're going to have a time of worship just to kind of just prepare yourself. This is, this is the um, time that we think about Christ's suffering on the cross, his scourging when he was beaten beforehand almost to death, and had to carry his own cross, cross up to Golgotha. It's called the skull, where he was, uh, had to be hung on the cross for our sins. So um, this is the time for us to think it in. Appreciate that. So just take a moment to reflect. Thank you, Don. And uh, I'd ask you to bow your heads and just think about this. Uh, uh, this is a time for me of recommitment. This is uh, kind of committing the month of February, in this case, to the Lord. Um, it's just a recommitment of our hearts to him to remind ourselves that He's he should be number one in our life and that we should honor and serve him. So... Let's take a moment to just pray. Lord, I'm grateful that you, you inaugurated the Last Supper for us to remember you, to remember all you did on the cross, your broken body, your shed blood, 
Lord, all the things you did for us so that we could have salvation. Because we could never earn salvation because of our, our sinful nature. So you, being sinless, died in our place. So we're humbled and grateful, Lord, for all you've done for us. And so we take this time right now to just remember you, in remembrance of you, and all you've done in our place. And we thank you for this time for us to uh, be able to show our gratitude to you, Lord. And I pray that throughout this month, we will show it by the way we live, the way we speak, the way we act towards others, and to honor you with our lives. For we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to start out with the, the, the bread, which I think represents two things. First of all, it represents that Jesus was a man. He walked this earth. He, he is the incarnate God, fully God and fully man for the time he was on this earth. It's something we can, can't comprehend, but it's, it's totally true. And so Jesus then had his body broken for us at the age of 33 years old, a young man. He was willing to give his life because he's the son of God. He had to do it because we couldn't do it ourselves. So he gave his life for us on the cross. And he said to his disciples, and we're his disciples as well, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it all. Thank you, Lord, for being willing to suffer and die for us and to sacrifice your body for us, Lord. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Most of us know that in the Old Testament, you know, obviously in the Garden of Eden, we were created perfectly. And then we sinned. We had sin. We had Adam's sin in our DNA and pass it down to us, and, and, and we all consciously sin. And we know that in the Old Testament, God would make a way for us to be cleansed of that, and we had to sacrifice something. We had to literally kill one of our animals or birds. And it was said that there, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But Jesus, we know that, we know that you did that for us, Lord. We know that you shed your, your blood. You nailed to a cross, you were whipped, you were scourged, and, and, and Lord, you told us that by eating your body and, and drinking your blood, we are made pure, and you heal us for our, from our infirmities, so and by our stripes, we are healed, so Lord, by your stripes, we are healed, and so Lord, we just take this cup in remembrance of you, and we thank you, Lord every day for, for what you've done for us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please take and drink this cup. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Thank you, Mike. trip on this uh, cord here. <laughs> it's a little bit tight there. Let's step over it. Um, as I mentioned before, we've, we've had five messages on 
actually th four messages on on seeking God's wisdom. And um, I've learned a lot from this. You know, one thing as a pastor, you get a chance to, to read all this stuff and study all this stuff. And so I've, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, so now we're kind of down to in review. This is kind of like the review before the test. We're not going to give you a test, though. And so this is the time for us to kind of think back on kind of the highlights, you might say, of uh, the benefits of, apply of seeking and applying God's wisdom in your life. Um, does anybody have a comment? Any, anybody have a, th a thought about uh, what it means to you to, to seek out God's wisdom? What have you learned about this, uh, maybe from this series or just by your own life, about seeking out God's wisdom? Quiet. Uh, God created the world, so he, he has the knowledge of from everlasting to everlasting. Why would we not think to seek his wisdom over our, our finite yeah. knowledge? There's a, there's a common uh, kind of a quote that says, work smarter, not harder. You know, why would we, like Clyde said, why would we not want to have God's wisdom in our life? Why would we not want to learn from his wisdom and, and instead of going and making the same mistakes over and over again and then paying the price for them? So the, the advantage of seeking God's wisdom is you learn how to live the way God wants you to and, he, and you learn how to honor him and you learn how to not suffer the consequences for making the same mistakes over and over again. We know we still do it at times, Don. I think it is because we don't really trust him like we should. I agree. I agree. We, not, we, don't, we, we still are stubborn, aren't we? Even though we know the right way to go, we still tend to go our own way. And that's a problem. We, we just don't, we don't, uh, we don't honor God with our lives. And so we're talking, I'm going to talk about this today. Okay, how to apply God's wisdom to your life. Now, again, this is not an exhaustive list. I had, I could have added a lot more, but I actually have seven points. I'm gonna, I'm, I might add one more if I have time. But the first one is this, to develop a healthy fear of God. It says in, it says in Proverbs um, 1, 7, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think, now, when I say fear God, I don't mean literally tremble in your boots, although we should, in a way, because he has the power to just take us out if he wants. But, it, uh, but the, I, I, I'm talking about, really, about a, a, a profound respect for God, a profound respect for God like you should have for your parents. You know, you should, ha you should have that for those uh, in, my, in my case, I was able to do that. I did respect my parents. But, but the fear of God, having a, a, a healthy fear of God, it helps us. To, what does that do for your life when you fear God, when you, when you respect God? Clyde? Yeah. Then they begin to realize that they were safe because of the guidance. That's a good point. Yeah, God, God doesn't do things to make your life miserable. He does things in your life or get, sets up limitations to make your life better. He, he doesn't, he's not trying to have you 
be in a, a state of punishment all the time. He wants you to be in a state of freedom all the time. There's freedom within you, within living within the limits um, of, of what God wants us to do. And so having a healthy fear of God is the beginning of this whole thing. Now, I thought about this yesterday, and I should have th thought of it earlier, frankly. But what about what does Jesus say about wisdom? He actually using the word wisdom, okay? Let's look over to Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And I said, God brought it to my mind what Jesus said about this, okay? Uh, this is what Jesus said, and uh, verses 24 says, Jesus, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, uh, Christ's words, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the streams rose, rise, and the wind blows and beats down the house, yet it does not fall because it's built on the rock, the foundation of the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain comes, the streams rise, and the wind blows and beats on the house, and it fell to a great crash. So if you want to have wisdom and apply wisdom to your life, you have to listen to the words of Christ. Now, th there's th throughout the whole, you know, the, the four Gospels, but if you want to find a, a synopsis of the best of Christ's teaching, look at Matthew 5 to 7. You know, the, uh, it, it's, uh, um, he talks about um, every, every aspect of life. He talks about being salt and light. He talks about what it means to be, uh, what it means to have true joy. True joy comes even through suffering. Through, it tells you what you should not do, and it tells you what you should do. The Sermon on the Mount. I have been having a blank on that for a second. The Sermon on the Mount uh, is, is probably the, mo the greatest one time of teaching ever of anybody in history. Is, is Jesus talking the Sermon on the Mount from it's Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, but on all of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are something that I'd recommend to you, obviously. So what does Christ say? What does Christ tell? How does he tell you how to live? He talks to you about, in Matthew five, uh, 6, about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about things. We worry about things. We get caught up in, in all this stuff of stress, and yet, you know, we, God gives the, the, the lilies of the field and, and, and the sparrows that don't work for it. He gives them free food. Why, why would God not do more for us as his children than he would for the flowers and for the birds? God loves us, but we need to take it in. The problem is God, God offers it to us, but do we always take it? We, rarely, we don't always take it. And then we suffer for it. So, you know, throughout our lives, we have to reapply and relearn the same lessons all the time. And, and that's, that's a good thing, though, that we're willing to do it. So first of all, have a healthy fear of God. Number two, determine to obey Christ's teachings, the Son of God, okay, our Savior. Then the next thing is determine to live your life by obtaining wisdom from God in his word. James 1.5, if somebody would look up 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. And then I'll look up James 1.5 here. 
Okay. We talked about this last Sunday at length. Okay. I'll read the whole passage here. It said uh, so. Um, James says that this is the Jesus's uh, younger brother. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of, this is the key verse, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God and give generously to all without fault, finding fault, and it will be given to you. God will give you wisdom if you ask him for it. Then it goes on to say this. But when you ask, you must not believe, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a, wa a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person who sh should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. In other words, when you listen to what God says, you've got to really believe it. You've got to be willing to apply it to your life. This is not just window dressing. This is the words of God. It's important that you follow what God tells you to do. And we all, one of the things we have from the Lord is the, the Bible. We have God's word as the Bible as our guide. So, uh, Connor, could you read really loudly uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All right, thank you. So this talks about God's word being, it has this, yeah, everything we need is in God's. Can you, uh, we can use a mic this time, we're going to have you read it one more time, okay? Okay, it's worth repeating, okay? It's not on. Here, we got to turn it on here in five. Okay. Okay. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, thank you. Very good. Uh, so here's the question. In light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, and my, in light of my future plans and goals, what is the wise thing to do in my life? Ask yourself that question. Look at, look at the panorama of your whole life. Based on what's happened in your life, what's the wise thing to do? The wise thing to do is to follow God's word, and, it's, and it tells you how we should live. And so we need to be willing to do that, okay? Now, I, I would, there's a lot of ways to read God's word. You can read the whole Bible through in a year. I've tried that. It's hard, especially when you get to Leviticus for, for a while there. Um, but, but, but you can read it, but, but then one of the problems I had, I'll be honest with you, is if you miss a couple days, now you've got to read it takes, about a, it takes about a half hour a day to read the Bible through in a year. Because you read uh, New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. But if you miss a day or two, now you're reading three days in a row. I'm just saying if you stay consistent, you're fine. But if you miss a couple days and slack off, then you've got to read three or four days. Then it find, you find yourself kind of reading really fast and maybe not getting as much. So if you're going to do that, I recommend you really do take the time to spend time in God's Word every day. Another way is to do a word study, like, like wisdom or like love. We're talking about love in the month of February, throughout the month of February. Uh, take a, a word from the Bible, okay, and then study that word and get your concordance. I, I really like the Life Application Bible. I recommend this. 
because it's not um, an average Bible has a concordance in it, but it just it just kind of tells you the the details of what's going on there with a little more detail. But the life application Bible they'll say, well, how does this apply to your life right now? In other words, it's current, it's relevant to your life right now. How do you actually apply the Word of God? That's why I like this one. We also one of our friends, uh, Paul Veerman, actually helped write this. He was from Temple Baptist Church way back in the day. And he was, he was one of the five uh, guys that put together Life Application Bible and the questions in it. So we really like that a lot. Um, number So the, again, the third one is determined to live by obtaining God's wisdom and, and by looking at his, God's word. Number four is avoid unhealthy relationships. Avoid unhealthy relationships. Throughout your life, you're going to have people come into your life that are they're going to be problematic if you really are honest. If you if you if you go with the flow, and you just go after go with these people, I mean every one of us could probably tell you one person in their life that you probably shouldn't have been around, because they probably did you weren't at your best with that person, okay? So it's, it's really hard to to leave a friendship, but there's a time in your life sometimes you got to say you know I can't be around th- this person. I don't know if you tell them directly or just just not be with them, but sometimes the people around you, okay, can really mess up your life by their lifestyle and their influence on you. And you, and I'm, I've always been kind of, you want to please people, you want to please, but you know, by doing that, you can do things you shouldn't do. You've got to set limits for yourself, and God's Word sets limits for you. You've got to say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this. And I say, you might say, well, that sounds like you're being kind of sh- shallow or too strict. Well, there's a time in your life you have to make decisions. Okay? If you decide if you realize you're an alcoholic, you avoid bars. Right? Because you know you go there, that's probably where you got drunk in the first place. You there's certain things you can't do. If you realize I can't be around that, you have to make decisions in your life. Okay? You have to be strong. And I and I finally had to do that. And when I when I started doing that in late my late high school, you probably my junior year of high school back in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I realize that I can't be around certain people. They're not good for me. Uh, there's a verse here in Proverbs. Um, let me look at to find the right verse here. James, James 3, 17 says this, but, um, but the wisdom from above is pure, pure, gentle, open to reason, merciful, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Okay? The verse I was going to try to find you, I kind of, it says, it says, bad company corrupts. Bad company corrupts. Certain people in your life will not be good for you. They will affect you in a, in a bad way. And you have to decide. What's your thought on that about relationships? Dan. Absolutely.
so if that person is doing drugs or doing something, they're going to ultimately assume that you do those things as well. Even if you are trying to help the person and you're not doing them, people are going to think that you're doing them as well. Yeah, you get a reputation. You get a reputation. And so, uh, and the, you know, kids join gangs. I remember seeing a movie. It was actually, I think, written by Oprah Winfrey about living in Chicago, the Robert Taylor Homes, which is a really hard area. It's down by Comiskey Park on the south side. And I remember a scene that really hit me was this young kid got, he got, got into a gang because he wanted to have friends. He also wanted to have protection because it was a dangerous area of town. And his father came, and he confronted the head of the gang. Now, the father wasn't a good dad. He, he wasn't a good dad to him. He wasn't there for him. He was, he was unavailable, really, most of his life. And so the son found somebody that he could thought he could trust in the gang. And the gang leader said, hey, you had your chance, and you didn't even do anything with it. Now, we're his new family. Obviously, the kid got in a lot of trouble. But my point was is, is you need to make decisions on who you're going to be with. And parents, for us, and for not just parents, but even aunts and uncles, we need to be a good influence on those, the kids in our life. They're watching us, grandparents too. They're watching us. Believe me, more than you'll ever know, they're watching you and they're trying to take a, they're trying to figure out from your life, do I want to live this way too? And so we need to, we need to make, decide we're not going to be around certain people that are going to cause trouble in life. Don? We do. People, we want to be liked. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to be liked. And in a lot of cases, in order to fit into this world, you're going to be doing things that are things God doesn't want you to do. And you're just going to go ahead and go with the flow because you're such a force. Young people today want to be accepted. Yeah. They want people to like them. They want to be part of the crowd. Unfortunately, in the world we live in today, in our society, that's not the place to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned before here, but that when I really thought I became a man, you might say, is when I decided I was going to hang around the popular people because they weren't good people. I realized I thought they were good people until I saw the things they did and realized they weren't good people. And if I was with them, I was going to be just like them eventually. So I decided I'd rather be alone than with the wrong people. And that's a hard place to be. You know what? People started seeing that in me and starting to realize that I, I had a good self-image because I wasn't willing to follow, just follow the crowd, okay? So you got to be careful with the people hanging around. Number five, okay? Um, seek godly counsel. Seek out godly counsel. Find people in your life that are going to be a good example to you, okay? Now, uh, most of those will probably be Christians, although there are, there are people that can give wise counsel that might not be Christians, but I would recommend hang, being with people that know God's word, that know Christ personally, and ask for their opinion on things. Why? Why do we need to ask sometimes people for their opinion on things? Why is that important? Anybody? You ever heard of blind spots? Your car has, you know, rearview mirrors in it because there's areas of your car you can't see on your own, so you have these rearview mirrors because there's parts of your life that you can't. You, you don't see, or maybe you don't see it because you're too close to it. Clyde? We have tunnel vision. Uh, sometimes a different perspective will, uh, somebody on the outside will give you an entirely different uh, perspective on it. Yeah, I had, a, I had a man tell me one time that he took me aside at my church, and I was kind of offended. He said, you know what, this person you're hanging around with is not good for you. 
And, and I, I want to tell you, you need to take some time away from that person. And I thought, at first, who are, you, who are you to tell me that? Well, someone that lo- he loved me, and he cared for me. And you know, I, I listened to what he said, and I applied it. And I took a time away from this person. And when I came back to that person, our relationship was better, uh, better because I didn't follow the same pattern in my life. And so I, I listened to this person, and I followed his advice. It's hard sometimes. You don't want to hear the truth sometimes. But sometimes you've got to listen to people that aren't going to say what you want to hear them say. Don? never will yeah. and therefore they can hopefully help you to avoid the mistakes they've made in your life exactly that's what they're doing they're saying don't do the things that that i have done in the past okay and so um look at some of these verses in proverbs 19 20 and 21 says this hear counsel and instruction so that you will be you will be wise counsel will help you uh, then it says in Proverbs 15, 22, Without counsel, plans fail, but with many counselors and advisors, they succeed. There's success when you listen to other people that are godly people. Listen to what they say. They might Maybe it's a throwaway, but maybe it's something you should take home. Maybe it's something you need to listen to. I've done it many times now. The, the, most, the more important the question in your life, like maybe should I move to a new location? Should I take a new job? Who should I marry? Things of that nature. Those are life-changing events in your life. You need to ask for counsel on what you should do in that situation. What's the wise thing to do? Mike just talked about this last week, about a chance to go with a band. And, and he asked me and he asked Matt about that, and, and Matt said, you shouldn't do it. And at first he was a little upset because he, it sounded like a fun idea, but he had a good job at the time. He still has that same job, thankfully, and, uh, and he decided not to go. And then right after that happened, COVID hit, and all the bands were canceled anyway. Had he quit his, quit his job went with that band within a week or two, it had all been, would have all been shut down. So he asked for counsel, and he took the counsel, even though it was kind of a hard pill to swallow. Okay? All right. So that's the next thing. So I'm, I'm going to review. Develop a healthy fear of God. Obey the words of the teachings of Jesus Christ, our, our Lord and Savior. Determine to live your life by obtaining God wisdom from God and His Word. Avoid unhealthy relationships. Seek out godly counsel. And then number six, stay humble. Stay humble. Do not be prideful or arrogant. Why is it important to stay humble? What, hap- what happens with success is, you start thinking an inflated idea. You might read your own press clippings, you might say. You start thinking, I'm all that. I'm pretty good. But what's the, what's the problem with having pride? By the way, there's, there's seven things God hates, and one of those is pride. He hates pride in humans. Okay? When you think that you're better than God, that you don't need God. Okay? Did I turn this on? I guess I did. I want to make sure I had that on. Okay, anybody have a thought about, about being arrogant or prideful? What can happen to your life? Yeah, you take your you take the glory for it. Exactly, right. Good point. Somebody else. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. And by the way, if, if Satan can't get you in any other way of your life, let's say he, let's say you are living a pretty godly life, let's say, but but you think that you're you think you're godly, and you think that you've uh, mastered Christianity, or I've you know, then that's when your problems start because you start thinking you you take credit for yourself for what you've done, don't give God the glory, and. And that, that, that brings up Philippians, Philippians uh, chapter 2. Listen to what it says. In Phil- that reminds me of that, Ann. Thank you. Um, Philippians 2 says this. I've got to find it here. Is that? Okay, Philippians 2 uh, says this. Repeat what Ann said. Okay, we, um, listen to what it says here. Okay. Starting with verse uh, 5, is it, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but, but uh, to take advantage for himself. Rather, he made himself humble, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus had to humble himself. He created the universe. Look at John chapter 1. Jesus created the entire universe but came down as a man, as a baby and was raised and lived a godly life and died on the cross for our sins. Even though he was the creator of everything. He was the most humble person of all time. Okay. Then the other verse here is James 4.10. It says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Don't exalt yourself. If anybody's going to exalt you, let God exalt you. Okay. It says in Colossians 3, As God's chosen people, clothe yourself with, with, with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Okay. That's number six. Stay humble. Number seven. Determined to stay strong and resilient in the battle with ad- the adversary and when you're facing adversity. Okay? Let's go over to, to, over to Ephesians 6. You know this. Many of you know this very well. But I want to read this to you. We have, a, we have an adversary. And, you know, a lot of times this wasn't taught much until last, the last maybe 30, 40 years about spiritual war. I mean, at least I didn't hear it before that. But listen to what it says here. It says, finally, this is uh, verse 10, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your, e- your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, this is probably one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible. I really believe that. Listen to this verse. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the, so that when the day of evil comes, in other words, it's going to come, you'll be able to take your stand, stand your ground, and after that, done everything to stand for the Lord. Okay? You need to stand firm. You ever had spiritual warfare in your life? You probably have and didn't even know it. I had some this fall. I probably said too much about it. But I had a, a couple of people come to me, and they, they were uh, questioning my faith. They wanted to meet with me privately right here. And, uh, and I, something didn't seem right about it. This lady wrote a lot of questions for me to answer, a lot of basically questioning the Bible. And I'm mowing my lawn one day, the day before I was supposed to meet with them, and God said, do not meet with them in your office. Only meet them over at Cut Culver's, which is kind of my office, because I go there a lot. But I, I said, uh, so I told the lady, I met her that night, and I said, I will not meet you at my office. God told me to only meet you here at Culver's in a public place. The next day, I got a really, really nasty text from this person. I mean, I'm talking demonic, vile, I mean, evil, a text from this person saying, I would never talk to you again, and something of that nature. It, it was pretty bad. And uh, so I just texted the person back, and I said, hey, obviously, we're not going to meet today, since I can tell by the tone of your voice we're not going to meet today. I, I wish you and your brother only the best. I, I kept it on the high road. But that was a demonic, I know that was spiritual warfare. We, we face it more than you think. Someone tempted to do something you shouldn't do. You have an evil thought about something. Well, where did that come? You ever had an evil thought about somebody? Or I think that I thought, you hope something bad happens to somebody? That's not of the Lord. That's, that's, spirit, that's Satan putting an evil thought in your mind that you should never be thinking. You say, come on, Jeff, you're going too far. No, I'm not. I'm not going too far at all. This is really stuff. Anybody have a testimony here at all that will say something about this? I guess no one's going to say anything right now. You do. You do. And you, ha you have to be, you know, you have to know your limits too, right? I mean, I mean, I'd like to counsel certain people, but I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to counsel certain people. They need to go to a professional Christian counselor in some cases. I mean, you know, I, you, gotta, you just got to know what you can handle and what you can't handle. You need, to, you need to be respectful of where you, who you are. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, know who you are. Don't have too high of an image of who you are. Don't have too low of an image. But have a, have a healthy understanding of who you are and what you can do and what you can handle. So you need to be aware that the, the devil is out there. It says in, it says in 1, Peter, um, 1 Peter 5, 8, the devil prowls, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil is out there every day looking for a way to destroy your life. Why does he want to destroy your life? Because he wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your testimony. He doesn't want to have healthy marriages. He doesn't want to have healthy churches. He doesn't want to have healthy Christians. So he'll do anything he can to have, tempt you to be doing something you shouldn't do. Your life can be changed by one bad decision. Your life can be changed by one bad decision. Or one bad relationship, for that matter. Clyde. That's right. That's right. 
So he, he wants to try to do that to you. And be aware that you're always being watched. Now, I'll tell you what, even more than ever. You know these, these are the ring doorbells? They're finding a lot of criminals from those ring doorbells because they're doing crimes in other houses. They find them like stealing a car or stealing something off you know, porch pirates, things like that. Those actually, those actually, those door things are really good in a way. If you're doing the right thing, if you're doing the wrong thing, you're in trouble. Because, you know, but people, that says in a town of over 20,000 people, you are almost always being watched. Do you realize that? In a town, a town of, uh, in most towns now, there's more lights up at a stoplight, like over here, right in front of Rockford University. I guarantee you there's a camera right there. There's cameras almost everywhere watching you. God's watching you all the time. What do you think of God? It's like, oh, no. <laughs> but, uh, was that? You haven't heard of that before? No, I never heard of that. That takes stuff up. There's a lady over close to our house that has a, a whole stack of stuff almost every day in front of her house because she's addicted to buying stuff on, like, what's the name of that? Uh, yeah, that kind of thing. I always question about her, like, you. Oh, is that right? Exactly, exactly. All right, a couple more verses here about ad, you know, adversity. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, every, with every temptation, there's a way out. With every temptation, there's a way out. And I'm going to close with this verse right here in Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Um, just want to close with this right now, and we're going to call it a day. Um, verse, it says, what, verse 1 through 3, Therefore, since... You are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father of God. Consider him who, cons who endured such opposition from sinners and to you, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We need to be strong every day. You can't get, you know, you really can't take a day off from your spiritual life. You have to, you have to be on on guard all the time. You need to be you need to be alert. You need to be ready. And I'm not trying to make you paranoid. I'm trying to make you pre prepared. I want you to be prepared to realize that you always got to be aware of what you say and what you do and how it affects your testimony. And how it, we want to honor God with our lives, right? And so I hope this was a good time for you to learn about seeking out God's wisdom. That's something we should always do. Next week, we'll try to start our series on love. If you're on Facebook right now, thank you for listening today. I hope that you got something out of this. And if you've never given your life to Christ yet, today would be a wonderful day, the 4th of February, 2024, to say, Lord Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And right now, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to live my life to honor you and serve you the rest of my life. For it's in your name I pray, amen. Make sure you tell somebody, that, a Christian, that you are a Christian now, and make sure you get in a Bible study or a Bible-believing church. God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Clyde. Any last comments before we go? Let's, let's take some prayer requests before we go, because it's... Getting a little bit late. Does anybody? We pray for Dan and Karen as they travel tomorrow down down to Florida. Pray for them, and he would pray for us on Tuesday as we're leaving for Alabama for about a week. Here.
Never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through the storm. But I won't go down I hear your voice Carried in the rhythm of the wind You got me out Would cross an ocean I wouldn't drown You've never been closer Than you are right now Try and run, try You are enough Jaira, you are enough And I will be content In every circumstance Jaira, you are enough I don't want to forget How I feel right now On the mountaintop See so clear what it's all about. Stay by my side. Sun goes down. Don't wanna forget how I feel right now. Gyra, Gyra, you are enough. Gyra, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. Jaira, you are enough. chosen I know who I am I know what you've spoken I'm already loved more than I can imagine and that 
never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna let You're never gonna let me down You're never gonna You're never gonna let me down Cause you are good You're good Oh You are good You're good Let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Cause you are good, you're good. Oh, you are good, you're good Oh, you are good, you're good Oh, you are good, you're good Oh, Amen, you may be seated. Uh, so, as you may know, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, is on a long-needed vacation. He hasn't had one in a long time, probably since um, July. So it's been a while. It's been a while. So we're going to give that to him. We'll let him have one. We'll let him have one every half year. That's it. No more than that. So if you're watching, Jeff, which you probably are, that's it. That's it. Um. <coughs> No, but so today is a special day. Anybody know what today is? It's Sunday. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. No, that's not it. It's Drake's birthday. Happy birthday, Drake. <laughs> and Raph's birthday tomorrow. So birthday day. Cool. Um, no, Super Bowl Sunday. So that's good. We're not going to talk about that right now. Love to talk football but not the time not the time um so a couple quick announcements uh we got um what do we have going on anybody know what do we got going patty patty's gonna be doing fresh bread here in a second we got bible study yeah yes what date is that should i take out my phone and look it's the second the second sunday so we're doing men's bible study we're going to we're doing it early, um, 7 a.m., which absolutely insane to me. <laughs> Sorry, I should be promoting this <laughs> every time I, I just, uh, I am not an early bird. So it would be the 9th, March 9th, right? March 9th would be the second Saturday. We're doing the second Saturday of every month. So it's going to be from like 7 to 8.30, something like that. We'll have some like we'll have some food and, and 
coffee and stuff like that. So I'll see you guys there. I will be there next time. I will be there. So just going to pull an all-nighter so I can get there on time. <laughs> Don's going to come too. Let yeah, Don came at 7 p.m. I didn't come because I had a sick kid. And, uh, yeah, it was all mess last time, but still good. But next next time, March 9th is going to be great. So we got that. Um, every Wednesday night, um, we do prayer here at 530, I believe. Um, I think that time might be switching because um, I think it's pretty, just, pretty much just my mom and dad who kind of show up and pray for the church and pray for different things. So uh, that might be switching, too. But um, that would be... As of right now, it's like Wednesday at 5.30. So that's about it as far as announcements are concerned. We're going to have Patty come up here and do fresh bread in a second. And then Raph and I are going to kind of co-preach this Sunday. We're kind of trying something out a little bit different. We've done it before in the past. Raph and I have done it uh, one other time. We're kind of going to do it more like like a podcast, like podcast church. So uh, we're going to... We're gonna we're gonna be up here in some chairs and we're gonna kind of do it. Um, Raph is already a podcast host, host. He does a great job, and so we're gonna we're gonna try things a little bit different. It's not gonna be your standard like five point sermon, but I think it's gonna be cool. I think it's gonna be good. So we're gonna we're gonna do that in a little bit. But first, we're gonna have Patty come up here, and Patty is going to share with us. Turn me on. Oh. All right. So, first, let me tell you a story. Um, I was going to open the Bible first. Let me tell you this story first. It's about when uh, Kristen and I first got an apartment, our first apartment. I think some of you guys have been there. A couple people here have been to our first apartment. We got this apartment because it was like, I don't know, I'd, I'd visited the apartment complex before and we were like, okay, it looks pretty nice and, um, you know, decent enough. It's a one bedroom apartment. It's, you know, not very expensive. So we, uh, you know, we, we start renting this apartment and we rented it for like, like nine months and then everything became horrible. <laughs> So this guy uh, moved in upstairs, and he was, like, moving furniture in the middle of the night, every night. <laughs> and it was crazy. And one time, he, there, we, Kristen was on our back porch and just, like, reading the Bible. And all of a sudden, a trickle and then a full stream of some liquid starts flowing over her. And she's like, what could this possibly be? And realizes, of course, what it is. And I think you know what it is. I'm not going to say it. Uh, she comes in and sa tells me what it is. <laughs> and so I run outside furiously and telling my neighbor, it's actually my neighbor's friend, and saying, you can't do that here. Someone was reading down here. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, we didn't have great neighbors at that point. And we were like, well, Kristen started to think, you know, we have to leave. And my inclination was 
to be like, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's okay. We're going to be fine. This is not a big deal. Like, yeah, you get bad neighbors sometime. It's not a big deal. We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. And that, my reaction, is called toxic positivity. <laughs> um, so let me open up the Bible here. I didn't mark it, but it's Psalm 42. The Psalms, if you've ever read them, the dudes who wrote this thing were not toxically positive. That wasn't one of their problems. If they were, it would not be a really relatable book to read, right? <laughs> They'd be like, you know, nothing's wrong, it's, everything's okay, and it's all going to be good. No, they didn't say that. Here's what they said. Psalm 42, starting with verse 1. He says, as a, pant, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thir thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go to the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts, songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So, the psalmist here, he's, he doesn't have toxic positivity, but he has hope. He has hope in God, but the reason why it's not toxic is because he can name the hurt that he sees in the world. He can name the hurt, the pain that is there, and say, God, this is unjust, and uh, I, the only hope I have is in you. So one of, the, one of the pitfalls we can have with having hope is falling into toxic positivity. But there's another pitfall we can fall into with having hope. I was talking with a friend the other day, friend number one, and we met friend number two at a coffee shop and friend number one was talking to friend number two and saying you know we were discussing plans for that, that were going on in Rockford and uh, friend number one was saying no no it, this stuff's never gonna happen uh, you know this stuff is they talk about this stuff but it's all just talk and it's never really gonna happen and I felt the need to interject to friend number two Listen, friend number two, friend number one is just a cynic, right? He's just a cynic. He doesn't, he doesn't think anything. He he doesn't think anything's really gonna work out. Um, and I had to actually go back and be like, and I had to step away from that. Or after I was out of that conversation, I thought about that, and I was like, wait a second. 
we're not, people aren't cynics. You, that's not like a quality that we can have, really, in like something, it's not a quality that God gives us, that God puts in us, right? Um, it's something, it's a pitfall of hope. It, when we don't have hope, we fall into, or we can fall into cynicism. When we, when we are able to name and see the injustice in the world, and yet what our reaction to that is to say, well, that's just the status quo. That's just how it is, you know? Um, that's, you know, and a lot of, I think I've said before, and lots of people have said before, and if this has ever been said to you before, uh, you know, that, well, you're just a cynic. Don't believe that. That's a lie. That's a lie. Nobody's just a cynic. We're, you know, we are, if, if, we're, if we believe in Christ, then we're uh, being regenerated by God. We might tend to be cynical, but God gives us hope. And we're meant to embrace that hope and continually, uh, continually develop that hope. So that's kind of all that all that I have today. I mean, I I don't know if you guys want want to talk about this, but the, some questions to think about are like, where are you experiencing discouragement? in your own life. Because, you know, if you're not able to name it, maybe you're toxically positive, right? Maybe you're just like, oh, there's, I don't have any discouragement, everything's fine. You, you know, you're one of these people who would write the book of Psalms and it would just be like super uh, like plain and, and unrelatable. Um, it, you know, and that's something to think about. Or maybe you're like, you can name the discouragement in your life and you're like, but God's not going to help with this. You know, you wouldn't say that, but you would say, I'm just a cynic, right? Um, but then my challenge to you is, you know, you're not a cynic. Like, embrace who you really are and ask God about who you really are, you know? Um, I'm not going to really have time to this, to have discussion about this right now. I think we could talk about this a lot, but uh, Raf and Matt have really prepared something, and I'm excited to hear it. As Raf texts right now, he must, must be looking over his notes. Uh, that's all I got. <laughs> all right, Patty. Let me get set up here. that more. That'd be, that sounds a very interesting topic. Raph, do you want to join me up here in a second?
Hi, Ref. guys hear me? Am I speaking on the microphone? All right, there we go. We're super sketched out right now because this chair is held up. The top of this chair is held on by a single bolt. So, little sketched Don't out. Move too fast. I'm going to fall straight off this thing at some point. So, if you guys have been been here or been following along, we are talking about love. It is February, uh, which means it's love month. Valentine's Day. So, yeah, we're talking about love right now. And when my dad was was leaving, he was like, you know, I want you and you and Raph to talk about love, which is a very kind of vague topic. But Raph was praying about it, and this is what came to him. He said he wanted to talk about Romans 12, verses 9 to 21. Is that it? Yeah, 9 to 21. So do you want to talk about how you, how you decided yeah. you want to talk about that? So I, so we were talking about the power of love, and <coughs> so what came to me was, okay, I want to ask everybody a quick question. Has anyone ever heard that verse that says, they will know we are Christians by our love? Yeah, so it's not a verse. It's a song. Like, it's not an actual verse. <laughs> so I was, was one of those things that, like, you hear all the time, you're like, oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. And it is as a concept, but it isn't directly say it just like that. So I started studying, and I was like, I was very upset that that wasn't a verse, but it is a nice song. And so it just kind of came to me, like, they, they will know who we are because of how we love. And, um, yeah, Jeff had said, like, the power of love, you know. The first thing that came to my mind was, like, Huey Lewis in the news. Back oh, we didn't play that. Was that we were gonna play it, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys we'll play at the end. Back to the Future fans, but um, <coughs> it came to me that what are we known for as people? Like, if you were to ask, you know, like your significant other, your kids, your friends, or whoever you have in your life, like, what are you known for? And you know, like, I mean, most people are gonna be like, you're known for your love, but like, to me, I thought. Well, as a Christian, how do we represent that love? So once I started like studying it, I kind of, you know, like everybody wants to go to uh, Roman uh, Corinthians 13, you know, like the love chapter. But um, <coughs> in my study, I came to Romans 12, which is a different kind of love and a really interesting kind of love. And the more I like studied it and the more I r read into it, the, the cooler I thought it was. So I'm just going to read... Um, so I'm going to read, uh, I guess I can just read it all, and then we're going to go through and just kind of break it down and, like, see how that relates. So love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, and be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. My dear friends, leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So <coughs> as you read this, this like passage, um, like a lot of us, I mean, you've probably, if you've been here enough, you've heard us talk Romans 12. Like Jeff loves Romans 12. And it's amazing. Um, and it starts with like a, like a command, a therefore. There's like a, a bunch of different therefores in the New Testament, and Paul's kind of famous for using them. But he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So this love, the part that it's talking about, is love in action and how that looks. But it's cool that it starts with being sacrificial because real love in action is sacrificial, and it can't be any other way. You have to, s this whole chapter talks about sacrificing what you want for someone else's good. And the kind of love it's talking about isn't like a romantic love. It's like a phileo love, like a, a brotherly love. But the way he says it, it's like, like a deeper love than that. It's a family love, like a brother and sister in Christ family love. Like it's a very deep love. It's funny. Um, <coughs> so anyway, so when it starts, the first thing it says is, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So the farther I deep uh, delve into that, I found um, a cool Greek word. Matt has a slide. There I am, Hercules. It's Greek. Um, so when he's saying love must be sincere, it sounds, you know, like, oh, yeah, no, be sincere. But it, it's deeper than that. He says love must be without hypocrisy. And I'm going to try to pronounce this word. So here we go. Anupokakritos. <laughs> Um, so it's actually referring to like an actor wearing a mask because in Greek, a hypocrite was, was an actor, was someone who was like putting on a show and they wore a mask a lot of times. And so like when you break down that word, it means, it, it in essence means like don't be fake with how you love people, you know, be sincere, be deep. Don't just show them the mask of how you are, be real, you know, and that's how it starts. And I thought that was like really cool that like, you know, like when when you dig into this and the deeper you get, the words have so much more meaning and they have so much. He's not just like saying a word like these words have like a significance to each each part of this. Don't worry, I did not do Greek for every single word. Um, I can hardly say it. So, yeah, so be devoted to one e to another in love. Honor others above yourselves. Um, that's part of that sacrificial love, you know, to be a living sacrifice, to be constantly putting someone else like above you but you have to do it without being fake you have to be doing it without being um like insincere with hi hypocrisy you know like you can tell someone how you feel but if you do it in a loving way it hits deeper it kind of pulls down that mask and pulls down that and so you are somebody who they can trust you know never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord um for long for i thought zeal meant like excitedness um but it's just like a deep dedication it's a very deep dedication and like it it kind of radiates joy so you must it's we have to be loving and we have to do it in a, in a positive way in a happy way with like a lot of devotion to it 
which I thought was really cool. Um, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Um, situations aren't always going to just resolve themselves. You know, they, we have to, sometimes things that you're praying for and wanting to go farther are going to take longer than you um, ever imagined they would. And, um, <coughs> but we're like instructed to be joyful in our hope, to be happy, like, like what Patty was talking about. Um, to not have the, <laughs> I had never heard that before, toxic positivity. That uh, it is really funny. Oh, no, it's fine. But it's not fine. But you're supposed to be joyful that it will be fine. And that's okay. Um, patient in affliction, like things are going to take a while. But, you know, um, faithful in prayer. Bringing those things to God is always going to give you peace. Um, it isn't going to make it better, but it might over time. Um, yeah. So, let's see. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Um, in doing some research for this, I found um, I found this pastor. I forgot what his name is. But he was really good, and he kind of broke down this whole chapter. And he was talking about how when you try to relate, sometimes it's easier to relate to someone in their sadness than it is in their joy. You know, if it's something you want and it's something that you need, and they're like, you know, like, man, my car's terrible. And they're like, God just blessed me with a new car. Like, that's awesome. You know, like, it's hard to be joyful with that person. You know, I mean, I think probably we all have, like, different qualities that, like, maybe it's easier for you to have joy with someone. Maybe it's easier for you to cry with somebody. Um, but um, Matt told a story. You should tell that story that you told me when we were um, about the, what is it, the tribe that does that? Cool. Oh, yeah. This is, this is interesting. Um, so when I was in school, um, I went to a Christian college up in um, Minnesota, and we had chapel like every Tuesday and Thursday. And um, <coughs> we had a bunch of speakers come, and there was this lady from Africa who came, and she said that her tribe, um, you know, when somebody died and there was like um, people were really sad, they would go to their house, and they took this, they took it literally where it said mourn with those who mourn or weep with those who weep. So they're like, we're not going to like text them a Bible verse and be like, hey, you know, you, you should believe in God right now. You should believe that God wants this for your best. He's working for your best. And I said, that's not the way to deal with someone who's mourning, someone who's sad. Like the Bible says, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. So if, if, if something's great and, you know, something is good to happen, you rejoice with those people. But if something bad happens, you weep with them, and she said in their village, they take it literally. Like, they will go to that person's house, and they'll prepare themselves and get sad. You know, they'll think about someone who was important to them that died. And they will um, remember the pain that they were in when that happened. Kind of like an actor. You know, actors think about, like, sad memories so they can cry on, on camera and stuff. But they would do that not to be fake, but just to be able to enter into the sadness because they're going to meet a sad person. So you don't go in with joy and like, oh, yeah, I hope everything's good. You know, got you a casserole. Here you go. All right. No, they would go in expecting to mourn with this person, and then they would cry with, this, with the person who was mourning. And I thought that was amazing because that's probably exactly what that person needed. They need someone to be there with them and to, like, be sad with them 
and that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> I find that very, very hard. I have a hard time crying with my wife, and it, it's she's the closest person to me. You know, like I just I I feel really uncomfortable when I cry. I'm also kind of an ugly crier, but um, I don't know. I just I just find it, it very uncomfortable. But as much as we can, we should. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And if you can't, if you have the gift of being able to just really, you know, cry with somebody, that's a gift. And, and give that to others, you know. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to sound like I'm like some like super masculine guy. Like I cry in every show that I watch pretty much. But I just like have a hard time like, like, and, but it's always like a, I'm not crying. I'm good over here. <laughs> Yeah, so this, I think this passage is so, so cool because it, a lot of these things, it just made me wonder, like, am I known for these things? Am I, you know, am I someone that you would think about, that you could, that you'd want to rejoice with, want to cry with, somebody who, um, like, who does all these things and puts these into practice, and, you know, because, like, the name of the, like, the little subheading is love in action, and, I mean, how much sacrifice it takes to do some of these things you really do have to like make these choices you know this kind of love is a choice love that you have to make but the nice thing is is that you're submitting it to god and god's going to give you the power to do these things um but yeah t- do not be proud be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited do not repay evil anyone evil for evil be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone this is the 18 so i wanted to get to 18 because this one i think is such a good Reminder, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We ha- we just try our best. <laughs> You're not going to live at peace with everyone. You're not going to have, like, everyone isn't going to like you, and that's, and that's okay. But it's a trying thing. We try to be at peace. We, we make effort to do these things. We accept people who we wouldn't normally want to accept. We humble ourselves. You know, like, to achieve this kind of love is about humbling yourself and telling people, you know, that you care, but doing it in a sincere way. And to me, it's like, as a Christian, these are the things we must be known for. And so, like, my part ends with, you know, what do people know you for? Is this something that someone could read and say, that does remind me of them? So that's my challenge. Nice. That's good. (coughs) So, I'm going to reread these verses real quick and then go to the, the last verses. Uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the end of the passage is, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I've read that verse a lot. And I don't feel like I've ever really had an enemy. 
you know i mean i guess in grade school and stuff you have those kids who like pick on you and 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 you you know border on hatred and you're like i hate that guy you know um but like in my adult life i haven't really had that you know and and so i in my adult life reading this verse i'm just kind of like yeah i've never had an enemy and part of that's just having a kind of a blessed life in the sense that I've never had anyone do r- something really bad to me. I never had someone, um, you know, murder somebody in my family. You know, something crazy. You know, you hear stuff like that happens, but I've never had it happen. You know, I've never had someone, like, catfish me, or I've never had someone, like, steal my identity and, like, drain my bank account. I've never had an enemy like that. And so, like, these verses, like, just, I'm just kind of like, yeah. You know, if I ever have an enemy, then I'll 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 check these verses out, and um, which is a silly thing to think, but I kind of got an enemy not too long ago, and it's really stupid, but I didn't handle it good. There was a guy I worked with. I don't work with him any longer. He's not. He's still he's still with us, still alive. But um, this guy, I don't know if you guys have ever had someone in your adult life where you're like, I just can't stand this person. And I see him every day. And this guy, this, this sounds so dumb. I've talked to people about this and asked them for their advice. I think it's so stupid that people just kind of ignored me. But this guy, every everything he said to me was a lie. And I worked with him. I mean, and he'd get caught up in lies all the time, but he'd pretend that they weren't lies. You know, even like, like hey, so-and-so, I want to say his name in case he was watching, which I doubt. But, hey, so-and-so, um, where did you go to dinner last night? And you go, I had Jimmy John's. Like, you didn't have Jimmy John's, man. Stop lying. You know, like, and that's, that's like, like, it didn't start like that. It's, it started like we were friends, and I believed everything he said. And then he's, like, talking to me about his 50-foot yacht he's got and his Mercedes and, like, I'm like, dude, I know where you live, and I know what car you, you truck you drive. Like, all these things are lies. And I, I, over time, over, like, a year and a half, I'm like, oh, everything he says is a lie. And he, I've never met, like, a compulsive liar until I met this dude. And for some reason, it just made me so mad. Because I'm like, I I believe in being real. I believe in, in, in the truth shall set you free. And there's nothing about this guy that was truthful. And over time of being lied to you, Every day, I really got close to hatred, if not hating this guy. And I failed big time. I failed big time. And we'll talk more about this. We'll come back later because I want to talk about how I should have done better and how I still can do better with this guy because I feel so ashamed that I let him get to me and was not a good Christian example to this guy. And so... Can I, can I throw something in real quick? Yeah. Please? In my studies, <coughs> my deep word studies, the word he in uses. My travels. In my travels. The word he uses for enemy doesn't isn't like what you think. It isn't someone you hate. It, it translates to your antagonist. Someone who antagonizes you. Oh, so he was my enemy. He was your enemy. Thanks. But yeah, isn't that interesting to think about that? Like we read that and we're like, oh man, my enemy. Who's my enemy? And you're just like, you know, this isn't like. You know, the 1800s, and we're like warring countries, and I'm, but like, um, I don't know who my enemy is, 
but I know who my antagonist is. It could be anybody. It could be anyone in this room. Just the nice of you. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So speaking about that, speaking of like the extreme, like you're talking about, let's let's go to the extreme. Let's talk about real enemies. Have any of you guys seen the movie John Wick? You guys seen that movie? John Wick, in the beginning of this movie, his wife has just died. And as a parting gift from his now-deceased wife, she leaves him a dog. And this dog is loving, and this dog is, you know, he sees this dog as like an extension of his, of his dead wife. And he loves this dog, you know. And, and John Wick is a former assassin, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he's not like this guy has, like, lived a clean life. It's not like you'd consider him, like, a, you know, someone you'd go to for, like, moral advice. But, you know, he was sort of a moral guy as far as, as much as you can be for an assassin. You know, he had, he had boundaries, you know. And I like as, as human beings, like, we kind of construct, like, whether or not someone's a good guy or bad guy. It's like, well, yeah, he killed, like, 90 people but he had boundaries you know and and um anyways these guys just they break into his house for the wrong reason why did they end up breaking in his house it was like they're gonna steal his car oh they wanted to steal his car and in the process they killed his dog that his wife had given him as like the final piece of herself and dude does not handle it well not, I got a picture of him up here. He doesn't handle it well. He does. He does. He does repay evil for evil, and uh, he does get vengeance. And he gets vengeance. And as we're watching this movie, we're like, "Yes, I would do the same thing if I had his skill set." And there's a lot of movies like this. I mean, there's a lot of John Wicks, and I love these movies. When we watch these movies. And we're like, man, we we love these movies because of what? Justice. We love justice. And justice isn't bad. Justice was given by God. So when we see John Wick taking some justice out on some other people with his guns and knives and everything he's got, we're like, yes, it gives us that sense of justice. But what is what what's wrong about it? What's wrong about what John Wick does? I was thinking about it because I'm like, well, he's doing justice. Here's the problem. And if we if we ever were in a situation where we'd want to take things into our own hands, the problem is we're not a good instrument for justice. If we because uh, let's go let's go back to that verse. Um, do not repay. Let's go back here. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. So this is not as appealing to our flesh, but we will know for sure that the correct justice has been done if God is the one doing it. And it might not be in this life. I mean, evil people get away with stuff all the time. And we see, um, you know, I, I was, when I was looking, when I was, like, Googling, I was trying to find stories about, like, um, people who showed love. Um, 
in, in the way that Romans 12 describes it. And like, and there was like all these like Reddit posts and stuff like God says that he'll take justice, but he's not. So what do I do? Because I've like, I've given it enough time. It's like, no, but God's got way more time than you. He knows what's going to happen. Here's the problem. We think that if God's not taking justice in the appropriate amount of time, we should take it into our own hands. But we're sinners. We're sinners trying to take justice on another sinner. So, plus, you're not God. You don't have a full spectrum of this person's life and how you actually would do justice. You don't have the eternal perspective. And so anytime we take justice on people, we're sinning because we are we are saying, God, you're not doing good enough, and let me show you, let me show you, God, how to take justice, God. That's really stupid, but we want to do it because we feel like we're smarter or we're just impatient or we just think that person deserves it now. And it's not Christian. It's not a Christian thing to do, guys. And I want to add this. So I, I was tell every time I hear, you know, don't repay evil for evil, it reminds me of this. So I thought it was a psalm, but it's in Proverbs. So Proverbs seventeen thirteen, it says, "Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good." What verse is that? Uh, Proverbs seventeen thirteen. You read it again. Evil will never leave the house of one who pays back evil for good. That's another good reason. If you don't want evil, evil leaving your house, then go ahead and yeah. If you want take evil revenge. forever. I'm going to read a couple other verses that kind of back up this point in Romans 12. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait on the Lord, and he will deliver you. And Matthew 18, 21 through 22 then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should we forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seven, 77 times, or 70 times, seven times, which Jesus is saying, like, unlimited amount of times, because that's how many times I forgive you. I forgive you unlimited amount of times. 70 times seven, God's forgiven me way more than that. And so that's how much we... You know, Jesus also says, after the, after he teaches the disciples how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And if you don't forgive people your sins, then the Father in heaven won't forgive your sins. Which is, like, that's pretty important. Because you're not getting to heaven with with. God not forgiving your sins. So this is really important, and we got to really take it seriously. Um, so I'm going to – I found this this pastor and this writer on, online when I was finding it. His name's Tim Challies, I think that's how you say it, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S. And he's got a really good um, website, a really good blog. And he said, these are questions to consider when you read the, this passage in Romans 12. And he said, what believer – that you know sets a good example in his or her love how does that person display love for others so it's a good mental exercise to think about like who's someone that that really displays love in a good way 
why or how do they do that? And then how can, how can you do that? Uh, this guy named A.W. Pink said, the measure of our love for others can largely be determined by the frequency and earnestness of our prayers for them. I'm going to read that again. The measure of our love for others can largely be determined by the frequency, by how much, and the earnestness of our prayers for them. So are you earnestly praying for this person? Are you praying for them often? Do you pray for others? How can you pray for them with greater frequency and earnestness? And then finally, in what ways do you think you are setting a good example for the people in your church in the way that you love others? Pray and thank God for each of them. In what ways do you think you are not setting a good example for the people in your church in the way that you love others? Pray and ask God for his grace to change you. So going back to my, my old coworker who, who drove me nuts, was I a good example to the people in my church? No. I was a terrible example. You guys didn't know about it most of the time. Well, some of you guys did. And But I was a terrible example. Like, I am ashamed. And, you know, I prayed for him. I prayed for this guy who annoyed me. But really, like, my prayers wouldn't get too far because I just keep doing the same thing. But did my frequency and earnestness in prayer increase for this guy? No, it didn't. But I wonder what would have happened if I, if I would have. I wonder what would have happened if I would have prayed for him more and prayed for him more earnestly and prayed, and prayed for God to help me in it. But I didn't do it. I failed. But I have repented of that and asked God for his forgiveness. And I, I'm going to start praying for this guy. Because I need grace, so this guy needs it too. And he doesn't know God. He's, he mocks God. Whenever we've had spiritual conversation, this guy always made fun of me for being a Christian. And, and he would always say, well, you know, I just think it's ridiculous that Jesus went up and on that mountain and got those tablets from God. I'm like, that was Moses, or that was Moses man. Not Jesus. And he's like, I went to seminary school. I'm like, you did not. (laughs) Sorry. I obviously have some unforgiveness in my heart. I need to work on that. But this Romans 12 passage is not easy. You know, it's 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 not easy with everybody. It's difficult. And um, fortunately, God's got grace for us because we are not a good example sometimes. But we need to work to be a better example. I want my kids to look at me and be like, man, my dad represents love. He represents grace. He represents forgiveness. You know, he's a forgiving guy. My dad never let people get to him, you know? And, and I just, I just, I know I got, I got a ways to go, but that's where I want to go. And I think by God's grace, we will get there. Um, Yeah. And that's, I think that's why it's cool how the whole passage starts, you know? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so we know how merciful God is, you know, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So when I was listening to this other sermon about this, I've heard people say this a few times, like, like like a living sacrifice is way different than a sacrifice that's already been 
killed. You know, if they kill an animal, put it on the altar, burn it, it's not going anywhere. But a living sacrifice is moving. It's it's flailing. It's fighting. It's like we're always going to be fighting against this stuff. You know, and I think that it, that's I think God knows that. So like He's very merciful to us in that we don't have to. It's not the end of the world if we're not dead. I mean, unless you invite evil into your house, then it is the end of the world. But like, um, I think it's nice how how much God gives us grace to do it, and that. But it it's not easy. We still have to do it. We still have to put it into action. We still have to, like, lay ourselves at the altar, you know. And, like, we're not always going to make the right choice, like Matt said. But he knows that. The fact that he knows that it's different and knows that he needs to change it, that's the important part. And, like, we just have to keep trying. We just have to keep doing and putting it into action and keep being loving and keep just offering ourselves when we don't want to, you know. But you have to do it sincere in a, in a sincere way. And I think that's think that's possible i also want to mention that forgiveness and repentance is is often something that comes in stages like you don't obviously like i've for, i've forgiven this guy but i obviously have some things that make me mad about this dude so so have more work to do you can tell you can tell you need to forgive someone if something like still makes you mad inside you're like i got more work to do so luckily he lives really far away in mumbai that's an inside joke. Um, Anyways, Mumbai. Yeah, never. Mind. We won't go into it, guys. <laughs> if you want to know after the service, ask. It's really fun. Does anybody? Does anybody have uh have any th- any thoughts? Anything they want to add? Anything that we that we missed or anything that comes to mind, Sally? But <laughs> I was, I was livid. I was like, somebody needs to put this fool in his place, and it's gonna be me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I don't know. I was just in a mood, I guess. So I was like tracking this guy, like as he's first. I tried to speed up, and then I was like, okay, I'm not gonna catch him. So I just kept my eye on him, and I was like, if I ever get the chance to like pull up next to him, like I gotta keep my eye on the car so I don't yell at the wrong person because I'm gonna yell at this guy, <laughs> even when he was like half a mile down the road. I was still just like watching his car and all of a sudden I realized like okay I can barely see this car anymore I'm probably not driving very well because my attention was off the road in front of me my kids in my car like and this guy doesn't even care that I'm angry <laughs> so I'm annoying myself and I might get in an accident just like I thought he was going to cause an accident and it just I think that's one of the things that the devil wants us to do when we're angry is be distracted also from maybe the good things that the Lord wants us to be experiencing in that time um, (coughs) instead of just focusing on how angry we are and how much we want to get back at someone. Because it can can take up a lot of our time. It can take up a lot of our thoughts, um, especially when we spend a lot of time with that person. And you're right, it makes us a terrible example in front of other people. I deal with it a lot at work, too, where 